Hi, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell, and we're the hosts of Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we discuss, appreciate, and delve too deep into the Lord of the Rings Extended Editions, one minute at a time. You know there's a Balrog down there, right? It'll be fine. (laughs) Have you ever wondered about Hobbit economy or how wizards get their mail? Are you also in awe of Hugo Weaving's eyebrows? Then join us every Monday through Friday on our mission, quest, thing, only on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this is our Christmas special 2018. And welcome back, Todd. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Episodes. <laughs> ten episodes since you signed off. Yep. Uh, and uh, we are very pleased to have you back. And I can't imagine doing the Christmas special with anyone else. So I'm glad you were willing to put on uh, the old podcaster's earbuds, step in front of the microphone and rejoin us for uh, another episode of the protagonist podcast. I'm super excited about this. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a great night. Todd, is it like riding a bicycle? Does it feel natural to get back into the podcasting game? Uh, surprisingly, yes, it does. <laughs> it feels exactly like that. Um, feels like I, I was here just last week. Do you feel a little bit like the Godfather? You try and get out and they just keep pulling you back in. Yeah, well, it, it seems like only yesterday we were doing that anime special where, uh... Oh, oh, we don't, we don't need to bring that one up. We're about to do a competition, Todd. I just, fair. I just want to bask in it a tiny bit longer because I'm, I, I have no... Uh, I have no idea how things are going to go tonight. I think I've, I think I've either got gold or coal, but not any, not anything in between. Coal or uh, diamonds, Todd. Coal or diamonds. It's coal or diamonds. Sorry. So yeah, for uh, for any listeners who missed our last special episode in which we did a full competition, it was an anime special where we took an anime title that was obscure and created a fake plot and then also wrote uh, down the real plot synopsis and everyone had to guess which one was real and which one was fake. And I lagged so far behind Todd (laughs) and our special guest Norman in that episode. I felt like towards the end, you were just trying to lose, but I know (laughs) I was trying (laughs) to go against my instinct because my instinct had been wrong. And by then my instinct had been calibrated. So I should have stuck with my instinct. I felt like Neo. Like I felt like I could see the matrix on that one. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know exactly where this is going. Yes. I'm going to win. I could stop these these verbal bullets. Like, yes. I, I just remember fairly early on, like I'd whiffed on the first couple rounds and Norman had gotten everything. So I'm like, I'm just going to copy Norman. And I did. And that was around Norman missed. I was like the anti-Midas oh, touch. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, but the way let's get to this, this special goes for any news listeners is that producer Andrew generates a list of how many, how many titles would you seven or eight, seven. eight, seven. We've got seven, seven. I think we've only done this four times. Seven. It's seven. I just counted <laughs> math checks out guys. <laughs> seven titles of real Christmas 
specials, or movies. Things that have been produced and aired somewhere or released on video. Uh, and he has always managed or to find... possibly are scheduled to air within yes. the next few weeks. But he always finds ones that neither Todd or I have ever heard of nor seen. And then Todd and I write a fake summary for a movie that could have that title or, or, you know, and then Andrew, he goes and finds the actual summary and shares with us the real summary. And then Andrew just chooses which one of the three he most wants to watch. Is that correct, Andrew? That's how we do this. Yeah, more or less. I've, I've got to tell you guys, um, the Christmas movie concept, not necessarily the title game has started to be adopted by other more famous podcasts. They're all more famous, Andrew. <laughs> not all not all of them trust me <laughs> um but the mclory brothers who do the podcast my brother my brother and me on the maximum fun network have started to include a segment in some episodes where one of the brothers says sings a nonsensical co- song called that's a christmas to me and then reads off two real um titles and synopses and then makes one up and then he tries to get the other two to guess what, which one's real and which one's made up. I've been right every time. At least one of the brothers has been wrong every time. <laughs> but in part, well, that's you, because they've chosen movies where we actually have done them. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you're, you're very familiar at this point with the ins and outs of the holiday movie genre. Yeah, I, the, this holiday movie game is... It's my game. It's it's like I'm in the Matrix and <laughs> it's like Todd and anime. <laughs> yeah. The old saying, just like Todd and anime. <laughs> it's already a classic. All right. So, Andrew, do you want to flip something? Uh, yeah, and something we'll random in my in my room that I was able to find that has two sides. So okay. what, um, what, what have we got? So my daughter for her birthday received one of those like pop-up tent things that has like a, a a springy tunnel oh yeah and right now the tunnel is in its collapsed mode yes um so it's it's sort of like a really big thick coin okay Todd, um, you want to so, call it since you're uh you're coming yeah, back call, to us call, uh, call blue or pink that's the colors on the sides of of the tunnel blue well wait until i get it in the air blue right, call it. blue uh it's pink okay so Joseph gets the first pick. All right. Uh, we, don't, we don't run down like the whole list of titles, right? We just let everyone. Yeah, they'll, they'll them discover they them as we go along. All right. I'm going to go with It's Christmas Eve. And if you couldn't hear that, listeners, <laughs> it, it's there's Christmas, a comma. Comma Eve. Oh, yes. Meaning a person named Eve. Mm-hmm. It, 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 perhaps. In this case, the person is named Eve Singleton. Uh, Eve Singleton left her small town for the big city. Graduating from film school, she directed a couple independent films and was hired to direct a big action film for a major studio. But after it bombed, she could not get work for a film studio. Now, a bit cynical and slightly embittered, she can only find work filming one of those cheesy Christmas movies for a cable channel. During filming, the male need, Nick North, keeps trying to get her into the spirit of the film, but she resists. At least at first. When directing Nick on his big nostalgic and romantic monologue, a spark of Christmas joy starts to glow within her. And then, when she's coaching him on how to properly lean in for the kiss so that the camera angle is just right, they end up kissing for real. And a bit of romance finds its way through her cynical shell. Deciding that if she's going to get her career back on track, she needs to embrace this project as though it was her dream film. It becomes just that. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, it's Christmas Eve. 
This film takes place in a dystopian near future. Society is divided between a powerful ruling class and an enslaved working class. Adam is a worker who was raised in the country far from the central government, where some people still practice the old ways. But because of his great gardening skills, he was taken into the great city of San Diego and put to work in the garden of one of the government's most influential families. Adam is no rebel, but over time, he develops a friendship with the beautiful young daughter of the family, Eve. She's just a little younger than Adam and shares his affinity for beautiful gardens. Then one fateful afternoon, Eve's tutor, a man who has secretly become jealous of Eve's relationship with Adam, encourages Eve to share a piece of fruit with Adam. He then immediately rats on them, and Eve's father casts both of them, Adam and Eve, into a harsh land east of San Diego called Nevada. There, Eve must learn how to defend herself against natural and human dangers. It's all very tough for her, but Adam teaches Eve about one of, great, one of the greatest traditions uh, he has ever known, Christmas. <laughs> wow, we were really close, closely aligned on those two, Todd. Yeah, really. <laughs> Simultaneous evolution. I think I mean, there's there's some sort of allegory that you're putting into play there. I yeah, don't know. It's it seems familiar. <laughs> it may be too subtle, really. Yeah, that that might be the issue. All right, okay. Andrew, can you tell us the real summary it's, for it's Christmas Eve? Eve. It's Christmas Eve. As interim school superintendent, Eve trims budgets, and now she's in her hometown where it's personal. Her handsome neighbor, Liam, is a music teacher, and Eve feels his program must be cut. But luckily, her friend is married to an IT guy who's created a website for donations directly to save the arts program. Launched during the tree lighting ceremony where Liam's students will perform, the website could provide the Christmas miracle the town needs. Already, the universe is cooperating. Eve is back home, and she, Liam, and his daughter look like they might be celebrating many a future Christmas. <laughs> All right. I feel like that should end with many future Christmas together. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're going to be celebrating one way or the other. I, they'll be celebrating Christmas. I copy these things straight from the source, and I'm not going to say that this was grammatically correct all throughout. Okay. Uh, what was the source, or, or what network, or uh, is this a hallmark? I think this one. I think this one's a, a straight hallmark. Okay. Well, Andrew. Uh, okay. So so. You, yeah. Go ahead. We've got the school superintendent who's supposed to cut the arts budget. But then there's an IT guy and donations. <laughs> okay. I think I got that. And then there's the dystopian future in San Diego with some allegory with Adam and Eve and Nevada. <laughs> and then there's the female movie director or producer. Uh, she's a director. This is, you know, it's a little meta but commentary about thinking. Hallmark movies there. Yeah. And, and forward thinking for Hollywood too you know, give female directors a chance on the big budget action movies outside of wonder woman. Yes. <laughs> I really enjoy the meta commentary and, you know, filming a schmaltzy Christmas movie. Yeah. And that yeah. being the, uh, the baseline for the big city person in the small town who mm -hmm. has to learn to love Christmas. So but... I think I'm going to go with oh. Joseph on this one. <laughs> yes. Uh, trust your feelings. I, trust your instincts. The, the meta commentary is really, Really something on that. So it's Christmas Eve goes to Joseph. I'll be honest. That is a plot I thought of back in like April and just filed away <laughs> to save. You just, did, 
know what the title was. Yeah, I didn't know what the title was going to be, but I knew I'd be able to work in the, See, the director discovering the Christmas spirit as they make a cheesy Hallmark movie. I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to argue the point here. Like, I, I'm about to like throw my challenge flag on this. How can we say? I, I mean, really, if you wrote the story without even knowing the title? Hey, my character's name is Eve Singleton. Oh, I don't know what boy you're looking for, Tom. <laughs> I feel like there should be some credit given for actually working with the material that we're no. given instead of I just dropping not, our I own not, Todd, Todd, I am not sure that the title came first in the Hallmark actual movie either. <laughs> All right, whatever. Not, not a lot about it seems to have said, oh, they've got to call it this. <laughs> I just don't, I guess I don't see the point of the game if you can just write all seven of your synopses before the thing even comes and then just go, oh, I'll just change the name and drop oh. it in with the title. Oh, trust you didn't me, do that to all seven of them, did you, Joseph? You better believe me. <laughs> that is not the case for these other ones. Okay. All right. Very, okay. very all heavily right. inspired by the title, some of these ones that are coming. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that is a fair challenge. This, I, uh, this and, is the only one has, I have. We should, we should definitely squash that. Yeah. Well, this is the only one I had previously prepared. Every other one of these is is strictly born of the title that Andrew provided. Okay. All right. Okay. Got All it. right. But but I I do think that's that's a fair challenge. And if it, um, I I, I don't know if it's <laughs> a fair challenge. I, it might be sour grapes. It's hard to say. Fair challenge. Sour <laughs> grapes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So uh, Todd, you get to choose the the next title. All right, I'm going to go with A Shoe Addict's Christmas. A Shoe Addict's Christmas. Lacey Shoemaker is a self-centered heiress <laughs> who loves shoes. <laughs> Sorry. I really appreciate that name, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you might. Uh, I really try. You know, normally I don't really go all in on names, but I, I, I you, tried to at least make an effort. You didn't want to try and uh, make it more of an illusion and make it Schumacher? <laughs> Now let's call it Lacey Shoemaker is a self-centered heiress who loves shoes. As the film begins, we see her donning the perfect shoes for every occasion. $350 Horween leather New Balance 2040s for exercise. $1,800 Gucci fur slippers for lounging about the house. Uh, $1,800 Chipco flip-flops for the pool. $15,000 Ugg boots decorated with Swarovski crystals for shopping. And of course for dinner. (laughs) $2 $2 million Stuart Weitzman Cinderella slippers. This year, she has decided to take a Christmas vacation to Musha Kay in the Bahamas, $39,000 per night. Of course, she sends her shoes ahead of her, but the pilot of her private jet is drunk and accidentally drops her off alone and with no luggage on a remote island in Kiribati, 6,500 miles away in another ocean. There, with the help of an especially handsome local named Tanetti, Lacey learns the true meaning of Christmas and the value of going barefoot. Oh, you really tied. tied it together there at the end. Yeah. Oh, I like what you're saying there, Joseph. Tied it together. Shoe theme. <laughs> um, <laughs> deliberate, guys. Todd, I did not pick up on the significance of Lacey until you said it there at the end. Yes, Lacey. Lacey Shoemaker. I, I, all right. All right, Joseph. What what have you got for? All right, Otto, I, I invite you to listen to this summary and and accuse me of having prepared this one previously. <laughs> <laughs> a shoe addict's Christmas. Wedge Eyelet is a sneakerhead. <laughs> he spent thousands amassing the premier sports shoe collection of the Upper Midwest. Chelsea Boot has the largest collection of luxury shoes in Northern Ohio. 
They've met and fallen in love. And for Christmas, they secretly plan to get the other, the rare shoes possible to add to their collection, Santa's boots. Realizing that 364 days of the year Santa's boots are sitting in the North Pole, they make excuses about work and each heads out on a two-week trip to the North Pole to steal the big man's shoes. Wedge sneaks past the elf security and has his hand on one boot when he hears the door opening. Keeping the boot, he dashes into the bathroom. When he comes out, the other boot is gone. He makes his way home, and Christmas morning, Wedge gives Chelsea a left boot, while his unopened box contains Santa's right boot under the Christmas tree. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I ran out of words. So we put a strict word count. That's exactly what happened to me with my... (laughs) Yeah. uh, After the Dream Lord last Christmas special, Todd insisted (laughs) on a word count limit. And I ran out of words to say, Santa didn't give them any Christmas presents. (laughs) (laughs) The jury will disregard that last line. (laughs) Indeed. It is not admissible as evidence. Um, okay. Uh, are you guys ready for the real A Shoe Addict's Christmas? Can you tell me, is, is this one a hallmark or like, it helps me to uh, visualize it? Is, it is a, it is a Candace Cameron Burr, um, or as I've learned, her name is actually pronounced at least this year, Beret. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I know. Uh, Candace Cameron Beret Hallmark Christmas movie. Is she, is so she it doesn't like, really get, it, it doesn't get more like er Hallmark Christmas movie than Candace Cameron Burr <laughs> or or Burray. It doesn't get more Burr Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying okay. these puns because there are more coming your way. <clears throat> um, they have opted not to go with a shoe themed what name in this case a shoe themed. Story, but not oh, a shoe okay. themed name. I thought you said they didn't do a shoe themed story. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yes. Go for it. As Christmas approaches, Noelle is at a crossroads in her life when it's when it seems that love, a connection with her father, and her dream career are out of reach. When she stays late at her job in a department store on a snowy Christmas Eve, she accidentally gets locked in after closing. She isn't too concerned about the prospect of spending the night in the store until a quirky woman appears out of nowhere in the shoe department and tells Noelle that she's her guardian angel. Soon, Noelle finds herself revisiting Christmas's past, present, and future as she must work with her new neighbor, a handsome, Christmas-loving firefighter, to plan the annual Christmas <laughs> charity gala. Oh, that was well, what we were missing. <laughs> Wait, there's still there's still a passage. Will visiting the holidays of yesterday and tomorrow help Noel take a new chance and discover the true spirit of Christmas? And in realizing that the only thing standing in her way of leading a fulfilling life is herself, will the love she has longed for all her life be the best surprise gift of all? Hey guys, would it be a giveaway if all of my future summaries include the words Christmas loving firefighter? <laughs> Handsome Christmas Christmas loving firefighter. I might be editing real quick right now. (laughs) Her her new neighbor, a handsome Christmas loving firefighter. Gosh. Uh, um, They didn't actually deal with. Who loves puppies and long walks on the beach. Uh, No doubt. No doubt. Uh, They didn't mention. I actually saw part of this one on TV. The way she visits is the Christmas's past, present and future. Her guardian angel 
brings her a pair of her shoes and she says, you were wearing these at a Christmas party two years ago, put them on and you'll revisit it. And we'll talk about why you screwed up your life. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that, seems harsh. It, it, that was, that was paraphrasing, but <laughs> so I, I actually do like that touch of, you know, putting on the shoes and, and revisiting the scenario. It's kind of, you're, you're blending a Christmas carol and Cinderella just a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a very uh, Christmas carol theme yeah i think i spotted that one (laughs) subtle like todd's adam and eve allegory (laughs) (laughs) okay so todd's involved uh lacy shoemaker yeah lacy shoemaker in a tropical vacation Uh, with a was uh, you said the pilot was drunk yeah the pilot was drunk so he flew in the wrong direction and dropped her off on on the wrong island in the wrong ocean all by herself with no shoes but a handsome local. Handsome local. Who teach, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you have to imagine, like, you know, her, this transformation of herself that's reflected in the fact that she has no shoes. Hmm. And and Joseph had Wedge Eyelet and uh, Chelsea. Yeah, almost a romantic comedy um, with them stealing for each other and, and kind of an O. Henry, a very classic. Yeah, very O. Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gift of the Magic. Except it's happy. <laughs> Yeah, except it actually kind of worked out. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a real swerve for an O. Henry story. <laughs> uh, I'm leaning towards Todd's. I want to see this sort of castaway Christmas, no shoes. All right, there we go. All right, we're on the board. A, a husband and wife stealing Santa's boots it doesn't fill you with the Christmas spirit. Not, not in particular. It doesn't really. I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't season my turkey. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I, I get to pick the next one. The next pick. You have the next pick. All right. I'm gonna go with Santa's boots. <laughs> That's right, listeners. Shoe addicts, shoe addicts, Christmas and Santa's boots, both on the list this year. <clears throat> expanding the Christmas shoe universe, as I've come to call it. <laughs> Yes, a, a, a universe of stories that's going to include the Rob Lowe Christmas shoes made for TV movie. I was originally that's... just thinking of the song, and because I feel like Rob Lowe shouldn't have this movie held against him. Uh, he was in between series at the time, I think. <laughs> and also, uh, BYU TV's got shoelaces for Christmas. So uh, yeah, there's. I mean, I think there's going to be a wave of Christmas shoe themed stories, and and maybe next year we'll go for a whole themed uh, Christmas episode we'll see if we can find themes in all the titles all right well for for right now we have santa's boots it's christmas eve and santa's boots are missing (laughs) (laughs) an emergency council is convened of the finest shoemaking elves santa's boots aren't just cozy they're key to keeping him up on rooftops helping him slide down chimneys smoothly and they also have lots of grip to get him back up the chimney too there's a lot of magic in those boots the elves are split into groups to go find the right materials. Alicia and Sven must go to the rubber trees of the candy cane forest to harvest material for the souls. Grace and Brutus need to go barter with Yukon Cornelius for metal for the buckles. Delilah and Hugo have the task of going to talk to the reindeer herd about the leather situation. Because reindeer perfected synthetic leather manufacturing centuries ago, guys. Because reindeer perfected synthetic leather manufacturing centuries ago. Uh, Will each group get the needed materials back to the shoe shop in time for the big night? Interesting. Okay. All right. I almost... (laughs) 
just left the leather situation there <laughs> and then decided too dark, too dark. <laughs> so Goodness. this is one of the earlier stories that I wrote and I was really, really trying to uh, keep to the 150 word limit and didn't have time to expand it. But just imagine how good this could be. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Look, take this at face value. Santa's- I feel like that's the email I get from my students finals week. <laughs> I didn't actually get the paper done the way you wanted it. But imagine how good my thoughts were. Okay. Just imagine. Santa's boots. You might think this is a story about talking footwear, but you'd be wrong. This is really the story of woodland elves, chinestre, and that has an apostrophe in the middle, chinestre, Alqualonde, and Selimbramor Erunonidon, who are playfully frolicking in the <laughs> who are playfully frolicking in the woods one day when they receive word that they have been chosen to become part of Santa's Legion of Elves at the North Pole. Before they even have time to react to this highest of honors, Chinestre and Selimbramor have their names changed to Holly Pine and Yule Greetings. And they are whisked off in a magical sleigh in order to begin their training at the Elf Boot Camp of the North Pole, also known as Ebkanop. But all is not jolly and bright at Ebkanop. And Holly and Yule begin to suspect that the real Santa has been kidnapped and supplanted by an evil wizard. So they must use their woodland acumen to figure out what is going on and save Christmas. All right, Todd. Yes. Maybe, maybe... I'm just not sharp enough. But is there significance to some of those names? You just yeah, I'm, I'm no. really curious. No, okay. those were just pulled from a uh, from an online elf name generator. Oh, can, you, can you rehash those names one more time for us with clear yes. enunciation? <laughs> well, see, so you have to pronounce silently the apostrophe in the middle of Chinestre. And uh, so it's Chinestre Alqualande and Selembramor Erunanadon. Hey, Todd, when you yes. looked up an elf name generator, was this a Tolkien elf name gener- generator and not a like holiday elf name generator? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why they had to have their names changed to Holly P- Pine and Yule Greetings. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, I got to say, guys, with all the Christmas movies that are being made, why aren't they taking more chances on things like that? That's what I say. I mean, think about how cool this could be. It turns into like a survival thing, right? And it's like, it's like a, this great Louis L'Amour, the, the last of the breed, right? Where they're out there in, in the frozen tundra and they have to use their, their, their mm-hmm. elf. Yeah, their, their elf yeah, warrior I, skills. We're practically and, at saturation on, on handsome firefighters. So I don't change something. I just changed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I okay. just me, remember, you're Michael looking Santa. for a film that you would want to watch. Yes. Um, so let me read off the actual film that somebody has chosen to make called Santa's Boots. When Holly returns home for Christmas, expecting the same as any other year, she's blindsided to learn her family's department store is on the brink of foreclosure. To keep the business going, Holly fills in as Santa's helper and meets the surprisingly young and handsome Nick. Is he a firefighter? 
It doesn't say, but it doesn't say that he's not a firefighter um, who has been hired to play Santa at the store this year. Their undeniable chemistry and charisma draw in big crowds until suddenly Nick disappears. As Christmas Day going going to department stores for the chemistry between Santa and his helper. That's what brings in the crowds. (laughs) I I don't know. It it just say their charisma, so maybe they have a great presence uh, outside of each other as well. But anyway, uh, Nick disappears. As Christmas Day inches closer, Holly scrambles to find Nick with only one clue: his misplaced black boot. It's a little Cinderella there. in the end. I just like to imagine a couple like, I don't know, honey, I was going to go to Macy's, but the University Mall has Mr. and Mrs. Claus that really <laughs> seem legit. And it doesn't say Mrs. Claus, it says Santa's helper. That's which worse! Is, which implies like, like an elf position. It's like, I don't want that chemistry. That's worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alright, Joseph, remind me of yours, because we talked a bit about uh, it was They had to make Santa's boots because his boots are missing on Christmas Eve. Someone has stolen his boots. We don't know who. Oh, dang. That's right. You guys both had pretty good whimsical ones for this. Like, ah. Uh, Just imagine, like, this one. is an, an animated one, maybe a little ring. Yeah, I, I, and, I was picturing and they're out assignments, and they say, guys, go talk to the deer about the, the leather. And then it just somebody gives them a look. It's like, because they, they perfected, you know, manufactured leather goods. Yes, yeah. Oh. My gut says Todd anyway. Wow. These are both, these are both <laughs> good. I, in fact, like, I, I've got to say, I think I would rather watch both of these movies than any of the pitches for Shoe Addicts Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> these two seem fun. All right. And I, so... Really, I mean, producers listening to this, take yeah, a chance. There's, there's a lot of in the, in the Christmas market for some of this stuff and, and fewer romantic films. I think we're probably pretty big in the producer world. Yeah, I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not checking every film that comes out in case anything's been copied. But. I'm confident nothing we've ever said on this podcast has inspired an actual production so far unfortunately all right um so that is it for santa's boots so uh right now we've got what todd's got two and joseph's got one yeah Uh, yeah after round one todd or andrew i told you to trust your instincts so i want you to start questioning (laughs) (laughs) okay and joseph's got or no todd's got the pick on this one okay this is called a gingerbread romance You may think you know where gingerbread cookies come from. Oh, sure, you can find any number of recipes on the internet, but real gingerbread cookies aren't baked in an oven. They're made when a ginger man and a ginger woman love each other very much and decide that they want to live together, making ginger babies forever. But gingerbread society is terribly segregated between the fancy gluten-free gingerbread people and the regular old traditional gingerbread people. Ginger Allspice is a young gingerbread woman from the fancy gluten-free side of the North Pole who accidentally ventures into the land of traditional baked goods. Because she has been contaminated, she knows she can never return. Thankfully, she finds a friend in Buckwheat Honeypot, an open-minded gingerbread man, who helps Ginger see that even though Ginger's posterity will never make it into the high-end San Francisco gluten-free vegan baking shop, she can still have a happy life, making slightly contaminated, but still very healthy, ginger babies. The end. I I assume that's contaminated in quotation marks. 
Yeah, contaminated by gluten. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. not like she's not dirty. <laughs> no, just contaminated it's because a, uh, it's just, you know not gluten free <laughs> any longer. It's a gluten it's joke. Just contaminated. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was. As soon as I saw this title, I thought, Todd's going to talk about the birds and the bees and gingerbread people. <laughs> and, and segregation? Did you see that part coming? I didn't see any of it coming, Todd. That was really coming out of my field. <laughs> I got to say, um, gingerbread, an underutilized Christmas symbol in these Christmas films. Yeah. It seems like there, there's a whole, uh, like an animated special just waiting to happen involving gingerbread stop motion. You know, gingerbread this is house. a stop motion yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah like I don't think any of the classics have focused much on gingerbread. Certainly not in the way Todd just described. <laughs> <laughs> I think very little is focused on gingerbread in the way Todd described. <laughs> All right, Joseph, what, what do you got for gingerbread romance? In the cutthroat world of competitive gingerbread house building, there's no room for distractions like romance. That's exactly, that was exactly there. my first idea. I'm sorry. That was exactly the first thing that I thought <laughs> no, of. I, I believe it. This, this one didn't uh, get revised very much. This was kind of a first run through. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There's no room for distractions like romance. Or is there? At the annual Tri-City Area Gingerbread Championships, Holly's four-story Santa workshop is coming along nicely until one flying buttress snaps and the level starts teetering. <laughs> Her rival, Manny, is building a gingerbread Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. And seeing Holly's mishap, he knows the prize will be his. That is, until he bumps his lighthouse of Alexandria, which falls into his pyramids of Giza, which topple (laughs) the Twizzlers off of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. While trying to stop the chaos, Manny knocks over his statue of Zeus, which lands on the Temple of Artemis, flipping over the Colossus of Rhodes. In the end, all that's left standing is his mausoleum at Halicarnassus, which is the worst ancient wonder. (laughs) <laughs> is that an editorial statement or i mean just imagine that in a gingerbread it's, it's a box it's the gingerbread muscles to build the uh the mausoleum at, at uh halicarnassus uh but while sifting through the rubble of his seven wonders manny realizes a shard from the colossus of Rhodes is shaped just like a flying buttress his display is damaged beyond repair but maybe by combining forces with holly they can salvage a display and share a championship maybe just maybe while applying royal icing they'll discover they're bonding more than just gingerbread (laughs) okay um a uh, quick question, Joseph, and this this will be relevant. You guys will see in a second. How big are these gingerbread structures that you're talking about? Uh, I, 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 you know, at least they have to clear three feet. Okay, so this is, we're talking like cake wars yes. sizes. Yeah, yeah, like a, you'd from, see a food network competition around these things. Okay, all right. <clears throat> I don't know if that's enough for a whole film, Joseph. I'm I'm just gonna put that out there right now. I had a limit of 150 words. <laughs> I'm working within some very constraining parameters. The entirety of Seven Wonders. Of the build up world. of like a montage of previous years. They're alternating who wins each year. The rivalry gets more and more intense. Just, okay. uh, I, I wasn't able to put it in, but imagine it's all there, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Are you guys ready for the real one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this also a hallmark? 
Um, I'm not sure if this one's Hallmark. It might be Lifetime. Um, you know, some of the picks are, are Hallmark. Some of the picks are Lifetime. Freeform starting to get into it. Netflix so, has has its uh, you know yeah, Hallmark has, has some. So I I mean I read through a list of no less than sixty three choices um, from at least those four different networks to put things together. So so I'm not sure where it comes from. The architecture firm Taylor works for enters her in a contest in which the teams will design and build life sized gingerbread houses. Wow! Whoa. So take that, Joseph. Okay, I should have thought bigger. <laughs> After the contest, Taylor will likely be getting a promotion to a position in another city. The firm teams her up with Annabelle, a renowned French French pastry chef with whom Taylor instantly locks horns. When Annabelle backs out, Taylor stumbles into a local bakery and meets Adam, a baker and single dad. Uh, I think you guys know where that's going. Surprisingly, not a firefighter in this case, but anyway. Uh, in an act of desperation, Taylor convinces Adam to partner with her for the contest, arguing that winning would give the bakery and his designs much needed exposure. That's a terrible argument for how to get people to do things. <laughs> Just from an artistic perspective. I'm sorry, editorializing, but don't do any work for exposure, people. Do work for money. Unless it's coming onto our podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, that's hardly work. That's, that's joy incarnate. It's true. For years, Taylor has been resistant to call anywhere home for fear it will only be temporary. But the time she spends with Adam and his daughter, Brooke, in their cozy home decorating for Christmas and exploring Philadelphia at Christmas fills her with a longing for for a place to call home. I don't know how much decorating they can do for a life-size gingerbread house in a house, but <laughs> <laughs> it was too limited. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> but in, I mean, maybe the cozy home is talking about the gingerbread house. Maybe they're just inside of a of, of a gingerbread house. Yeah, decorating for Christmas. Yeah, and exploring Philadelphia, which seems counterproductive to their their goals. Can you imagine the smell if you lived inside of a house, a gingerbread house? Just Hansel being like, so overpowering. <laughs> yeah, well, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess it was candy, not necessarily gingerbread, but, you know. I always envisioned that as like a, a gingerbread wall with lots of candy on top of it. I mean, I yeah, love, like, like, like candy plaster. I like mm-hmm. gingerbread as much as the next person, maybe more than some. I'm, I really do like gingerbread, but I, my goodness, to I live mean, in a I house made out of that stuff? I wouldn't I even f- be able to think straight. I hope it's a one-story house. Because <laughs> the structural integrity of that second, second story, someone's coming through the ceiling at some point. Well, as we found out uh, from, your, from your story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those <laughs> things can come down like a house of cards. About these, about these life-size gingerbread houses. Like, how thick is that gingerbread? How tall is that wall? <laughs> what oven are they? <laughs> yeah, how are you doing this? Is it, are, they, are they just baking <laughs> loaves sure, of gingerbread? Do do make this stuff is in. it just like bricks of gingerbread bread? <laughs> but that's not going to hold up when you get six layers on top. I think there's be. I mean, it's got to be a good bake. Uh, you got to have some tight crumb. <laughs> I have some serious concerns about the. Uh, you got to be careful with that sponge. The legitimacy of this. I mean, and I, like, there's a contest, which means they expect at least more than one team to do this. 
<laughs> at least more than one team of architect and baker. I mean, there's there's two giant ovens somewhere out in the world within proximity where they could build. <laughs> and and in theory, there's no prize because this is for exposure for the bakery. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Like why oh, is it the architecture firm? <laughs> the architecture firm is like assigning somebody to do this and then they have to convince a baker to do it for exposure? Seriously. This all is right. Are you done with this summary? Yeah, it, it it's been okay. done for a minute. Okay, all right. I just have a lot of questions about the gingerbread romance. <laughs> okay, so we we remember Todd's um in I'll be forget in our memories. Um Joseph's was the seven wonders and, and kind of the small time gingerbread baking. Yeah. yeah. And the no, real no one was big size. time, big time gingerbread baking. Manny was not building the actual <laughs> Colossus of Rhodes. <laughs> How big was the actual Colossus? That would be like a serious cake wars, man. <laughs> yeah. Like how many did like, didn't he straddle like 300 yards? Ah, you, you're outside my area of expertise at this point. <laughs> oh man, uh, this is not a this is not a winning title, guys. I do not know which one to pick. It's Todd's going to have a very large lead, or it will be tied up. Which way is it going to go, listeners? I really want to see a life size gingerbread house. So if if Hallmark's got that, if the real gingerbread romance has a life size gingerbread styrofoam, house, Andrew, there's no way they built an actual. I know it's made out of styrofoam. Come on, it looks good. But if it looks good, that would be enchanting. You okay? That plot summary gave you more but questions. I, have, I had a lot of questions. No, I can't possibly go with it. It's between Joseph and Todd. And I, I but I want I want real gingerbread. I don't want I like I love seeing gingerbread construction. So it's, you already it's, said that that's not even a movie. I don't think it is. But oh, you've got to be kidding me. But I would <sighs> rather watch a thirty-minute like how it's made gingerbread houses. Than gingerbread ancient wonders of the world. Than how, than, than how it's made gingerbread babies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, I was actually kind of funny with you until he said it that way. Now I understand his <laughs> point of view. Oh my um, gosh. That's what you get from but... boundaries, Todd. <laughs> you know what? Live or die. <laughs> I I went all in on this. Oh, it's two to two now, right? I really expected it to be down three to one. I I, I view that as a, a lucky break my way. I oh, cannot my. believe that you said like your the very first thing you said was that's not a movie, and then Do you it. chose it. Kill all right. It okay. Are we taking these as movies, or is a holiday special adequate? Yeah, well, he is, didn't say this is a 30-minute holiday special. Uh, Todd, if he, he had do the proper table setting before. This is like a 30-minute holiday special, guys. <laughs> this is not a full hour and a half Hallmark. Um, yeah, this is becoming a really contentious one. <laughs> but, like, you, like, these are strong arguments. And if we are talking movie... Oh, man. Well, we've definitely... Uh, we, we've done... <laughs> the half hour versions of stuff, but usually it's pitched that way yeah, beforehand. And I did not pitch that. This was clearly, I was heading towards a Hallmark with that. Yeah. Like, Cause what Hallmark movie doesn't have a mausoleum at Halicarnassus. Yeah. So, so I think, point. I think we've, you're right, Todd, we've talked too much into Joseph's to make it fly. So, so this one is going to go to Todd. Oh, uh, with, with, with a few minutes of workshopping, it would have gone to Joseph. I, uh, but that, that workshopping's inadmissible as we've established. I hope the listeners are as outraged as I am right now. 
if we, I if wish. We I would wish that jail. I could go back and see every version of this that I wrote because it started exactly like Joe's. It was it was it was at the salt it was at the Salt County Fair, and uh, the one guy has like one every year with his mom's traditional b- baking recipe, and then the girl comes along with her gluten free recipe, and uh, and there's all this contention. Oh, and then that's they the seed to... of where you got the gluten free versus the traditional. Yeah, yeah, but like somehow at some point I was sitting in the library watching my son put together this puzzle. And uh, and the and the question came into my mind. You think you know where gingerbread cookies come from, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Just went from there. <laughs> my goodness! All right, this is. I mean, this has been the craziest pick. It has switched. <laughs> All right. So Todd, right. Has but, but Todd has the the three to one lead at the moment. Do you want to call that lead insurmountable, Todd? Um. Well, some. Some may be tempted to to say so, but uh, I'm going to hold off on insurmountable. Okay, because I'm not, I don't know how I'm feeling about any of the rest of mine. I mean, I don't know how I felt about any of the ones coming up. I don't know. Maybe my best is ahead of me, but so is yours. So I, I'm not confident. This has been a well fought. This has been a well a well fought game so far. Giving, giving me a win. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> All right, uh, I think it's my turn to pick. I will go with yep. poinsettias for Christmas or. As some people choose to say it, poinsettias, or as I've sometimes heard it said, poinsettias for Christmas. I've also heard just poinsettes. Poinsettas. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, part, of, part of choosing this title was specifically for the discussion of pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Poinsettias for Christmas. The year is 2972. Remnants of humanity left Earth on a generation starship, <laughs> never thinking they'd return. But a, star- a spaceship touches down near the buried remnants of a small New England town. Chris Moss, Christmas, has returned to Earth with his wife, Snow Enite, and their daughter, Santa, to study the birthplace of humans. <laughs> they begin an archaeological excavation to discover the ancient rituals and traditions of Earth dwellers. In one remarkably preserved home they dig down into... They are confused when they find a synthetic tree inside of the structure. San finds pictures of other seemingly significant objects, a man made of snow, a four-legged creature with a red nose, and a red flower. She likes the red flower enough that she sneaks out to see if she can find one growing for her father. Of course, she shouldn't do that. There's a reason humans left Earth, and it's still out there. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I thought we might need a little more scares in our Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, scary ghost stories. Yeah, scary ghost stories. Okay, I'm still waiting for us to to do like the exact same story. Uh, Hasn't happened yet. Uh, Still hasn't happened. Uh, So this is uh, Poinsettias for Christmas based on a true story. World War II has just, uh, this is based on a true story, you know, the same way that most based on a true story. (laughs) Inspired by true events. World War II has just ended, and American troops return home. One of these is Captain Dirk Daniels, a distinguished and fearless bomber pilot, before taking on shrapnel during a bombing run. Struggling to find his way in a world that cannot understand what he has been through, Dirk is hired to train pilots at Bowling Air Force Base in Washington, D.C. A few years pass, and Dirk slowly earns a name for himself as a tough trainer with a no-nonsense attitude. Then one day, Dirk's commanding officer asks him to coach the struggling football team, which hasn't won a game in over 10 years. Dirk protests that he never even played football, but his boss tells him, we don't need a football mind. We need a military one. 
Dirk trains his undersized ragtag group of uh, players, and they earn a bid to the first ever Poinsettia Bowl, where the Generals <laughs> defeat the San Diego Naval Training Center Blue Jacks. Blue Jackets. So the first ever Poinsettia Bowl was in 1952 between the, uh, the Generals from Bowling Air Force Base and the San Diego Naval Training Center Blue Jackets. And the Generals won. Everything else I made up. Because <laughs> I couldn't find a dang thing about any of the players or the coaches or anything. Made up the whole thing. <laughs> okay. So inspired by, you know, inspired by true events, meaning there was an event called the Poinsettia Bowl in 1952 between these two teams. That's the, that's the true event. But it's kind of a Rudy, okay. kind of a, you know, Christmassy oh, uh, sports movie. But yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, the the real one. That's more Hoosiers than Rudy, I would say. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, poinsettias for Christmas. It's just weeks before Christmas. Once again, everybody in these in these movies. But sorry, it's just weeks before Christmas when Ellie gets a call to return home to help her father on the family's poinsettia farm. The family business is on the line to deliver tens of thousands of plants for the town's annual parade. The problem is, the poinsettias have yet to turn red. As Ellie searches for the solution, she's reminded of where her heart truly lies as she falls in love with both her roots and a local botanist. <laughs> There's no, no handsome Christmas-loving firefighter. No, just a local botanist. <laughs> Oh man! Single dad. So you have uh, post-apocalyptic return to Earth. You have the Terror, first Poinsettia Bowl with a number the, of other elements added by Todd. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, botanist loving uh, the the family business is in danger. Right. I know we haven't heard that enough. <laughs> oh, that's like a whole like you mentioned the shoe universe. There's also the save the family business. There's a lot business of family businesses town. that are that are in danger in small towns. I think around there's also Christmas. a whole secret royalty side universe of Christmas movies. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. There's got to be some other things too. Um, this baking, year, it, uh, it's baking. not at baking for sure, um, but that also crosses over into the small businesses, right? Um, I mean, people have made a lot of jokes about big city folk coming to the small towns. Mm-hmm. Um, people coming back home for Christmas and their life sucks. That's pretty common. <laughs> um, and then I I didn't pick very many options this year that fit this bill, but there were at least three on my short list that were about app developers this year. Oh, a whole new subgenre. <laughs> All right, but uh, let's see. What was this called? Poinsettias for Christmas. Poinsettias for Christmas. Poinsettias for Christmas. For Christmas. I'm gonna go with Joseph's quasi horror. Still in it. Interesting. Don't, I don't like. I, I think there's. I think there's some. You know, there's something to that where it's. You know the anthropology of rediscovering ancient artifacts oh, yeah. and what what is christmas it's really the family we had with us the whole time guys that's what christmas is okay well <laughs> i didn't care about i don't i don't care for that tagline I was <laughs> but yeah, um, i uh i have no i have no argument to make on that that was a that was a very solid uh, summary and we, and we know would, todd has an argument to make he's he, he's willing to do it yes <laughs> um you know, I've I've heard a concept that if anthropologists studied 
you know, America some hundreds or thousands of years in the future. And they found, you know, what we had records of and, and our celebrations and everything. They look at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's like, oh, they worship giant animals. Got it. Just like Egyptians. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, big cat. Got it. Just like Egyptians. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so, Todd, we're, we're down to our final two. I need to sweep these for a win. If you get any one of these, you win. Is it my pick first? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, this is called Mingle All the Way. Mingle All the Way. Nog Fruitcake is one of... (laughs) Go on. I'm intrigued. (laughs) You have my attention. Nog Fruitcake is one of Santa's top toy designing elves, but he's got some problems. Not only was he named after arguably the worst two Christmas foods, but he is also truly ugly. The only elf in the North Pole with a neck beard. Nog suspects he may have some dwarf blood. What's worse? <laughs> What's worse? Nog's best friend, the square-jawed but dim-witted Chip Cookie, has fallen in love with the woman of Nog's unspoken dreams, Peppermint Sweet Potatoes. But Peppermint is way too smart for the block-headed Chip. So the day after Thanksgiving, Chip ropes the unwi- unwilling Nog into writing love notes to Peppermint on the North Pole's hottest dating website called, you guessed it, mingle all the way as the holiday season progresses the frustrated nog pours his soul out to peppermint and she falls more and more in love with chip then chip tells nog that he is going to propose to peppermint on christmas eve will nog find the courage to tell his friends the truth or will he resign himself to a life of loneliness i genuinely love cyrano de bergerac <laughs> and um, I say that apropos of nothing, obviously. All right, uh, hold on. I, I did circle back to one thing in there, Todd. You said Nog Fruitcake was named after two of the worst holiday foods. Yes. Are you, are, are you referencing fruit and cake? Because uh, I will not stand for that aspersion against eggnog. I spend much Actually, of the year thinking about when it's going to be back in stores. I. I uh I actually don't hate eggnog. Um, it's it's not my I like I I'm per, I'm more of a hot chocolate man. But tonight at the at the Christmas dinner at the college, they had eggnog sweet potatoes, and they were so good. <laughs> had you written this before that? I wrote this before that. Did you change those names for? No, eggnog I just uh, I looked up a list. I looked up a list of like most hated Christmas foods, and top of the list was fruitcake, and like third down was uh was eggnog and the second one was like i couldn't i couldn't make a name from it it was uh it was something that anyway i just i i'm sorry i went with nog so to all you eggnog lovers i want you to know i I, i'm just saying what people say (laughs) not what i say all right okay here's my plot for mingle all the way After many years of working together, Dancer has admitted to himself that he has a bit of a crush on Prancer. While getting harnessed up, he looks over at her and says, This is always exciting, but the first time we lift off the ground, I have a second where I want to hold on for dear life. She chuckles and smiles and says, I like puns. That was pretty good. He had not meant it as a pun. But now (laughs) that he knew she liked puns, well, Dancer was ready. You like puns, huh? Oh, no, here we go. Well, I've got myrrh where that came from. This time, oh, she gosh. gave a full laugh and said, you're funny. Well, this will be a night you'll never forget. 
And then what the other reindeer referred to as the infamous night of a thousand puns began. Perhaps the worst puns came over Venezuela when dancers sang, all the jingle ladies, put your hoes up. But while the other reindeer groaned, Dancer enjoyed the evening. And after returning to the North Pole, she told Dancer that she was glad they could mingle all the way. Oh, wow. Is it the end? Yeah, that's the end. I, I, I had a oh, word limit, guys. I'm at the word limit. I had yeah, more I puns jotted down limit. than I could word limit really strangled that one. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, there was gonna be something with snow with the it's snow it's snow. Uh, he, he's gonna be feeling pine at a certain point. They were gonna share some chemistry. Uh, <laughs> the I'm telling you the word limit it just makes you focus on the story. That's all I'm saying. Oh man! Although I know we've never done merch and like shirts or anything, but if we were gonna have a shirt, I think it would have to say. All the jingle ladies put your hooves up. <laughs> because that, that was pretty because, good. Because <laughs> like, it's pretty good and it really works in the moment. But if you see that out of context, there's nothing about it that links to reindeer. And so <laughs> it's a complete non sequitur. <laughs> uh, what, oh what is the God. real plot for Mingle All the Way? Okay, Mingle All the Way. Mingle All the Way is a new networking app designed to pair business or sorry, busy professionals together for upcoming events without long-term romance. So sort of like a not dating site. <laughs> Molly, founder of the app, is determined to prove to her family that it is a success. Therefore, she joins the app and meets another busy professional, Jeff. When Molly and Jeff are matched, they are both horrified to realize they've already had not one, but two disastrous previous encounters. Nevertheless, they agree to stay matched for all their respective upcoming holiday engagements. As the pair gets closer, perhaps their business arrangement might turn into something more this holiday season. Okay. All right. So, so, so this is like, I, 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 I want to get into like the headspace of this scenario though. It matches you up based on, I don't know what parameters, but then it says you should just go to each other's holiday functions. So you don't have the awkward conversations about, are you dating someone? Right. That seems to be the text. I guess, I guess I, we, we have both, both dipped into the fake dating at Christmas. I think in previous years, I didn't do it this year. But. Yes. <laughs> but but it's like, but no long-term commitment. And also, you still have to, like, manage your schedules. Shouldn't it just be doing it based on when you're free and when you need someone? Like, yeah. you use the app and you say, I need someone these days. I would be free these days. If somebody, you know, needs me those days and is free the days I need them, make it happen. Like, I find it, it totally that? unbelievable and would never want to watch it. <laughs> is there one you would want to watch, Todd? Well, unless of course you're you're debating between that one and Joe's, then I would totally go for go for that one. I'm I'm absolutely going for Joseph's puns on this. Yes! One. Really, more than Cyrano de Bergerac. I, I I do enjoy Cyrano de Bergerac, but I have a copy of Cyrano de Bergerac, and <laughs> I would love a, a, a an hour and a half of puns, puns. A, a thousand Christmas puns, just just two reindeer side by side, and one of them keeps saying, oh. 
I forgot to say it at the beginning. This is definitely a half hour animated special. This is not an hour and a half. <laughs> but I mean, huh. I, this one definitely feels. I, I think I'm safe saying that one was heading towards a half hour animated special, not a Hallmark <laughs> hour and a half movie. Unlike my but attempt I, at saving a gingerbread I mean, romance. And and more than anything, Joseph Summary just I was just craving more. <laughs> okay. Out of that All right. I mean. I'm not saying I wouldn't get sick of it oh. if I was actually given more, but right now I'm craving more. Well, okay. it's all tied up, and sadly, I'm not feeling confident in my final entry. Oh, man. It might be a race to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I never chose this one to read off when I had, when I had choices. All right. All right. So, so who, is, who is leading off on, I'll say it out loud, no sleep till Christmas? I think it is my turn. Is that right, Todd? Yeah, that should be right. Yeah, you're up. No sleep till Christmas. It's Christmas Eve at Grandma's house, and the eight young cousins have made a pact to stay awake and try and catch Santa. They're all excited, except for seven-year-old Mara, who just wants to go to bed like she's supposed to. But she's feeling pressured by her peers to stay up late. The kids try to stay up by playing games, telling stories, having pillow fights, and so on. And each activity is disrupted by different, increasingly frustrated adults who come and turn off the lights and tell them to go to sleep which is exactly what Mara does after the first time a grown-up comes down or comes up. She settles into a corner without telling any of her, her cousins and just falls asleep. Her cousins keep uh, fighting their drowsiness, but eventually they all fall asleep from sheer exhaustion, which may be why Mara is the only one who wakes up when she hears a sound on the roof. She sneaks to the hallway and glances into the living room just in time to see a pair of brand new synthetic leather boots disappear up the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay. All right, Todd. No sleep till Christmas. No sleep till Christmas. It's the day after Thanksgiving, and Gabriel is really stressed. This has been his first year as an angelic supervisor, and unfortunately, his first assignment has been the politicians of Washington, D.C. Let's just say it's been a rough year. (laughs) But if there is one thing we know about Gabriel, it is that he can be just as stubborn as, 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 as the worst of them. Committed to saving Christmas, Gabriel determines he will not rest, he will not sleep, until he has personally turned the president's ice-cold heart to smooth, creamy butter. But this president, named Doland Prompt, proves proves a pretty tough cookie, fighting back against Gabriel's promptings towards goodness with a kind of unashamed bravado nobody in heaven had seen since at least President Amabo and which makes George Bailey look like a pushover. It's a do-or-die duel of wits as Gabriel fights through the night for the soul of the president, which might also be the soul of America. In the end, it will have you exclaiming, it was the absolutely and without question the greatest Christmas film of all time. It was huge. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right, once again, I did not see that coming. Uh... (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, the for real, I believe this was for free form. They made it. It should have aired this year. No sleep till Christmas. Are you guys ready? Go for it. No sleep till Christmas, an unexpected and whimsical holiday romantic comedy about two insomniac strangers plagued by exhaustion. That was not actually a sentence, but (laughs) (laughs) it was delivered as one to me. So I don't know. Anyway, Lizzie is a high-end event planner preparing for her own life's biggest event. 
her wedding. She lies awake nightly while her devoted fiance, Josh, rests peacefully, unaware of how to solve her issue. When a sleep-deprived incident causes her to run into Billy, a low-key bartender who is just as sleepless and frustrated as she is, they discover that they can only fall asleep while next to each other. (laughs) What seems like an odd coincidence, and frankly a disruption to their lives, might be more meaningful than they'd like to admit. What? (laughs) (laughs) So two insomniacs, an event planner who is engaged, and a bartender somehow learn that they are only able to fall asleep next to each other. Oh, I'd watch the heck out of that. Which sounds like, which sounds like at some point somebody was maybe doing something they shouldn't have been being engaged and all. (laughs) I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, they, they, they sat down on a bench next to each other and then they both just zonked out. (laughs) It's possible. That's what, but it's going to be a really awkward explanation to the fiance. It's like, honey, I love you. Can't wait to spend my life with you. But if I'm going to get any sleep, there's going to have to be someone else here. I just interesting. I mean, I feel like Todd and I have pitched better stories in our four years of doing these Christmas specials. <laughs> I know. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you have. Um, but. I don't know that either of you pitched that for this title. So I think Hallmark might get, or well, Freeform might get this one just for like, all right, this seems interesting. I got to see what they do with this. Are you saying you're ending us on a tie with the insomniacs who have to sleep next to each other? (laughs) I told you race to the bottom, man. (laughs) Selection going in. So I, I can't really protest too much. Um, now, on reflection of past years, I do need to award Todd like a special award because at some point in previous years, he pitched something about, I think it, I think it was like his mistletoe promise pitch. And it was about pirates and swashbuckling yep, and, yep, and like 1800s Mexico and Spain. And I think about that one way more than I ever thought I would. And I don't think I gave you the point for that round. I know I did not get the point for that round. And I don't remember what Joseph pitched for it. And <laughs> it was it, amazing. Won, I don't it, remember if what it was. Won that one, it didn't deserve it. So I would like to grant a, a previous season. It's been on my mind point to Todd and give him a victory here, but it's more simple <laughs> than an actual, like won this round victory. It's just, you know, credit words do. You wrote something a couple years ago that I still think about, and you should you should get credit for that. I'm happy to take the tie for this round. I feel like this was a hard fought battle between <laughs> between us. I'm happy to take the tie today and take the other one as sort of a like a lifetime achievement award. That's that's <laughs> fair. Um, I mean, no offense, Todd. It it doesn't it doesn't take out the Dream Lord. I think about that one a lot more. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> But also, that one should not be admissible because of its length. <laughs> right. Well, just uh, real quick, I guess this could be uh, a tiebreaker as well. Giving Todd the nod, I think I uh, you had more references to me putting up on the Facebook fan page. I said, 
Uh, hey, listeners, we just want to let you know that we're recording our Christmas special with Todd tonight. If you have any fake movie plots from the past you recall, feel free to make a comment and we'll review some highlights uh, if there is time at the end. And I think Todd had, I mean, this was only put up just a little bit ago, so not a whole lot of time for people to add stuff. Um, but uh, let's see. Someone mentioned my Dream Lord one. Uh, someone mentioned Snow Two and the Journey of a Water Droplet becoming a snowflake, and I believe that one was Todd. So. <laughs> that was a, that was a first season. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, listener Tessa, and then uh, listener Henry, or former guest Henry Dorowski, says, "I'm so generally happy to know that we shall be blessed with another Christmas special, and that Todd will be participating. The summer I recall most vividly, or the one I would like to see realized the most, is for me Todd's philosophical story of the genie and the old man growing old together as they have dialogues, and as the man as the man ponders what his wishes will be. Can't recall the title." Uh, but the concept has stuck with me. I think I that think, was Bernard and the genie. I think there's something really solid there. So I think Todd, it is called Ber- Bernard and the genie. <laughs> you had two out of the three. So I think you get the win <laughs> from our listeners there. Well, I, uh, but this is, this is always a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, guys, no, I, I, I look uh, forward to this. I start planning some of my plots in, in, uh, April <laughs> or so. <laughs> Dirty cheater. I know. Really. Uh this was good. I um the, the like half point win. <laughs> we got some we got some good stuff in here. All right. Well, thank you, Todd, for coming back and joining us uh for the special. If you enjoyed this listeners, we'd recommend that you go back and listen to any of our previous Christmas specials. We would like to thank uh all of you for joining us and for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com or also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod at Jadorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Dizminute. And Todd, you are? Off Twitter right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, you didn't used to be. Back when, when you were you were uh, co-hosting this, just as soon as you got out, you were out of all social media, just washing my hands. Uh, well, I'm just, I've been kind of taking a break and, uh, you know, just focus, focusing on some other things for a little bit. I understand. All right. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. And this week, we're doing a shorter... No, wait. Ha! Ruined it. Ha! I was looking at the other script. That's where I got the intro. All right. Uh, break. Break, Todd. Rhythm's off. We're Hang on. So, on this intro, do you want to do, like... Do you do you have... Do you want to do, like, your regular intro and then introduce me as a guest? Or do you just want to do, like... No, I just want you nothing to ever changed. Okay. That's exactly how you did it this time. Okay. All right. For the purists who listen to only the Todd Mack episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is it like riding a bicycle? That does not mean. Well, this is. (laughs) When I say. You guys just talk over each other for like 10 seconds. But real gingerbread cookies aren't baked in an oven. They're made when it.
to take another run at that. It's summary time. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be able to read this. Ah. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a clean run at this. <sighs> I've got to go into a dark place. Hang on. Okay. You may think you know where gingerbread cookies come from. Oh, sure, you can find any number of recipes on the internet, but real gingerbread cookies aren't baked in an oven. They're made when a gingerbread man... <laughs> gingerbread... I can't even, I can't, I can't even force it out. Okay, here we go. <laughs> they are made when a ginger man and a ginger woman love each other very much and decide that they want to live together. All right, you got to go back to the beginning, Todd. You got to give them a full fresh take. Todd's gingerbread romance determined to push the boundaries of the old protagonist podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can sense your your like your shoulders just constricting against your lungs and <laughs> love each other very much. 